welcome to the Heartbeat for Hire podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Dowd. My goal is to help train leaders and sales organizations how to manage and deliver results with empathy, compassion, and kindness. Let's get started. Greetings and welcome to this episode of Heartbeat for Hire. I am so excited to bring you today's guest. Want to learn how to take your sales, investor, or elevator pitches from trash to straight cash? Or have your prospects throwing money at you every time you open your mouth? Then it's time to learn how to convert conversations into currency with the pitch queen, Precious L. Williams. Her company, Perfect Pitches by Precious, teaches you the tools and tenacity to pitch with power, sell with storytelling, and develop a masterful mindset for communication. Precious is a 13-time National Elevator Pitch Champion. She has also been featured on Shark Tank, CNN, Wall Street Journal, Forbes Magazine, Black Enterprise Magazine, Essence Magazine, The Movie Leap. Her current clients include Microsoft, LinkedIn, Google, NBC Universal, Federal Reserve Bank, Intuit QuickBooks, Yelp, Harvard University, and so many more. Precious is a dynamic international professional speaker, effective corporate trainer, and four-time best-selling author. Precious, welcome! All right. Thanks for having me. Let's get oh my it. Gosh. I was so looking forward to doing this today. So I know your story, but would you please give some background to who you are for the audience? Yes. So good day, everyone. I am Precious Williams. And if you really want to know what a money resides, money resides. It resides in creating a killer pitch that pays and slays. So as the proud founder and CEO of Perfect Pitches by Precious, I literally teach and train on the art and science of the killer pitch. Whether that's your elevator, your media, your investor, your sales, your speaker, or your interview pitch, you want to be seen as the only choice that truly matters. So how do you captivate and titillate? How do you get earned media attention? How do you gain visibility in the marketplace? And how do you get explosive sales each and every time it's truly in developing a killer pitch. And I have been the CEO for 10 years. Before that, I had the company Curvy Girls launch rate. The ultimate shopping experience for full-figure divas and plus-size fashionistas. <laughs> yes, I was 327 pounds when I started my first company, and that completed in 2016. But to see that Perfect Pitches by Precious has remained 10 years strong, and we're still going. So having trained over 350 pitch champions, uh, working with some of the biggest companies in the world, and writing some really dope books that really transform how people see pitching. I am at your service from the inner city of St. Louis, Missouri to New York City. It's been a wild ride and I wouldn't have it any other way. Oh, I mean, I love everything you said there, but some of what you told me was on the more personal side. Would you share a little bit oh, about it was. your resilience very much so. and what you've had to overcome? Because you didn't, you weren't just born like this. I mean, yes, you were, but. Oh, no, no, no. So I, not at all. And uh, sometimes it's it's important that before you tell your personal story that people see you from a position of power. And that's, that's a right. training, it's a teachable moment. So yes, I'm from the inner city of St. Louis, Missouri. I grew up with a mother who never liked me, a father who wasn't still as a drug addict. We never had someone in the family to do the things that I wanted to do. And I am thankful that even though my mother was abusive and we were latchkey lash, kids, I remember watching Nick at Night and My Three Sons and The Monkey. Like all the things we thought were happening in real time weren't. But I really got addicted to A&E, the Arts and Entertainment Channel. 
and watching Phil Donahue and uh, Sally Jesse Raphael and understanding that the world outside of my window was not the world that I would always inhabit. So my mother nearly murdered me when I was 12 years old on November 18th, 1991. I was getting to go live with my father, uh, and that was very uh, twelve from birth to the first fifteen years of my life was so damaging. But my grandparents stepped in when I was fifteen to raise me, and the reason why you see me with such a big smile on my face is because my grandparents loved me to life. And yes, you can have a good family in the inner city because my grandparents took care of me, drove me to school, and when I felt so bad about myself, it was my grandmother, Precious Williams, who told me. That basically I'm the best there is, the best I was, the best I'll ever be when it comes to speaking. And you would never think that a grandmother could hear you speaking and know that Oprah's going to know your name. And she did these affirmations with me. First speaking engagement was before the mayor of the city of St. Louis when I was 16. And then that led to me speaking before the governor of Missouri. So I had Barack Obama moments. And because you're a teenager, you don't realize, you know, they're big, but you don't realize how amazing they they were. I'm the first person in my family, still the only person with a, a four-year degree, full scholarship to Spelman College, then turned around on full scholarship to Georgetown University Law Center, got kicked out in 2002, started over at Rutgers School of Law in 2003 and a full scholarship, kept getting scholarships while I was in law school, finished in <clears throat> 2006 as with a perfect record in urban in the urban legal clinic, which means I had really good cases, perfect record in winning. Passed the February 2007 bar, became an attorney in the great state of New York. <laughs> Hated it. <laughs> I don't know some of y'all are listening like, so you went from the inner city and you be passed the bar on your first try. Kicked out. Like, this makes no no sense. But ha, didn't I didn't like the practice of law, and I realized in order to get to where I wanted to go, I wasn't went wasting forty years of my life being bored. I just wasn't. So I took a chance. I met a very famous Hollywood actor who, when I left my ex fiance, I didn't realize that he would change the trajectory of my life. And so, at three hundred twenty seven pounds, coming off a of depression from leaving my ex fiance that I would be in this red hot love affair with a man who saw beyond weight and everything like that. And I thought women should know what size, no matter what size they are, that they're full figured divas and plus size fashionistas and Kirby girls lingerie was born, but I started with no money, negative $400 in my bank account. Went to an event I couldn't afford, pitched the producers of MSNBC on the spot. And that pitch got me on your business with JJ Rambert. And at Rockefeller Center, February 9, 2012, I walked away with $500,000 in 54 seconds. Oh. Then become a teen. Yeah, you heard teen time, national pitch champion. And all, all, all was seemingly well. You know, uh, dark oh, tank. I, I love I love your story so much. And this is why I wanted you on. And uh, partly because resilience is a huge topic on this it podcast. Is. And it's um, I, for all those people that have been laid off or the people that are deciding they want to be an entrepreneur or the people that are really just realizing I need to find my power. I need to sit in my power. I mean, Precious's story, it goes from such horror and such, you know, depths of depression into incredible opportunity and, and winning. Um, so for those people that are struggling, what's some words of advice for them? You know, there are two things that always come to mind. Number one, fortune favors the bold. Mm. And 
often as women get older, they, you know, oh, I don't fit the Hollywood thing or, oh, I don't look a certain way. Do it anyway and do it boldly. Right. Uh -huh. So I am 44 years old. Nope. Never lied about my age. I hope I'm a whole snack. Come fetch me. Uh, you are. If you're going to go out and you're going to go big, then roar. Mm. You know, I, I told people, and it probably sounds crazy today. I told them where I was going to be and they said, no, but fortune favors the bull. And I did it anyway. You know, mm. second thing is dream big, but you have to ask bigger. And that means bigger of yourself. So if you've been, you know, kind of coasting and it's cute, you'll be ran over by someone who's innovative and can outwit, outplay, and outlast. So when you start off, you start off as an entrepreneur, you start off in corporate America, you're learning skills, but never forget that your network needs to, to know who you really are. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes if you go on LinkedIn, you'll, that's surface stuff. That doesn't tell people how to know, like, and trust you. It isn't tell them if you really are that great. So start showing the behind the scenes of what it is. So I am an international professional speaker and a corporate trainer. Before I do any speaking, I always show behind the scenes, me getting myself together. Oh, should I wear this and that? Because it, it gets the audience involved and they see that this is a profession. I don't get up and just do anything. And when I say ask bigger, still challenge yourself. Like, I want to play on the world's grandest stages, and I have, but there's even more. If I, you want to pursue a particular company, if you want to do that, find out who is there that can help you. Make sure they know who you are and teach people how to pitch you for opportunities that you're never in the room for, right? Yeah. And so as I can wear blue earrings and, and look colorful and bright, they would say to women of a certain age, you know, just be comfortable with being background. Never that. I played that game for 30 plus years in my late thirties and into my forties. I'm being bold, but I'm also professional grade at what I do. And I know the niche that is perfect for me. And that is pitching and being able where one, one people can focus on one, one or two versions. I'm gifted in all six and have the receipts. The young people be talking about what them receipts said. Let me drop. <laughs> Let me drop what they said about you. Why do I have almost 300 testimonials on LinkedIn alone? Testimonials mean real words, not just yeah. I click. You can do this well. No, because all of that plays into. If you're gonna dream big, you got to ask bigger of everybody. What you asked for yesterday is not what you're asking for today. And be willing to walk away because people don't want to walk away. Sometimes you got to walk away and teach them how to treat you. Oh, that is so powerful. And I think, you know, what I've learned since I've started my company, which is just a little over a year now, you know, you, when you go from a corporate background into being an entrepreneur, you have to count on yourself in ways you didn't have to before. What? There's all kinds of things that were done for you at corporate that you have to learn. Um, and for those of us that have to understand and develop a personal brand, what are some of your tips? Because LinkedIn is obviously the first place people are going to go. So this is something I try and teach a lot of corporate folks, you know, hone your voice, have a voice. Have a voice. Yes. If you don't have a voice, you're just a, a body. You're no, you know, no one knows who you are. So what are your, some of your tips? So since one of the things that I love to teach my clients, this is about packaging, positioning, and then pitching. So if you want to be known as an expert in your space, like you said, have a voice and a real opinion. Not everything I say is the most politically correct, but my black body isn't politically correct. So, <laughs> okay. Number two, like if you are truly going to use LinkedIn, which I think is the best thing that ever happened to me, 
because I'm not looking for jobs where people are booking me from what they're seeing. So I'm utilizing LinkedIn lives Mm -hmm. and having an opinion about pitching, presentations, branding, and really showcasing how I go above and beyond surface that most people will do. Uh, You know, if you are meeting people in real life, where are you directing them to to really get to know more about you? It could be LinkedIn. It could be your website. Give them something that captivate and titillate them. And since I come from a pitching background, ask yourself this question. Why should they choose you? Why should they hire you? Why should they refer you? You need 150 reasons why. Mm. You can do the first maybe 10 or 15 by yourself because you know. And then start asking your trusted network, not family and friends, because you know they're going to tell you everything about you is great, but they ain't going to buy nothing. So why are you asking them? <laughs> so the trusted individuals and ask them those questions. And when you start writing them down, you're going to see that people see you totally different from how you see yourself. As great as a pitch master as I am, AKA the pitch queen, do you know the number one reason why I'm hired? My energy. Yeah. Where do you see that written on most surveys? It's not. But consistently from every speaking engagement I have, they will send me back these things and they say her energy. It's given that I'm a pitch master. Mm-hmm. But it's the energy to teach and to train in a fun way. But if you have 150 reasons why somebody should hire you, refer you, book you, you will start to overcome the natural objections that come up. That's right? so true. What is the world saying about you? That's why testimonials in written form are so important. So if people want to check me out, you know, they go, they, they look at me on LinkedIn. Oh, she popping, she popping. Where are the heavy hitters going? What them testimonials looking like? Are they one word sentences? Are they whole paragraphs? Good at paragraphs in these streets. And finally, you know, as you are, you know, packaging, positioning, what do you want to be positioned for? Right? So I started off training pe- women how to pitch. But then I wanted to show how pitch can be in everything you do in life and your relationships and everything like that. And so once you get out of the motive, it's only for media, it's only for investments, it's only at networking events that you utilize it everywhere else. And then, you know, you start doing TED Talks. Ah, yes. That you really are the best in the world at what you do. You take the places that you've spoken at or that you've been blessed to be a part of and trade on that for bigger and better opportunities. Mm, I love that. You call yourself a creative outsider. What does that mean? It means that because I wasn't like groomed for corporate America, I wasn't groomed for film and television. I have an outsider's perspective. Yeah. So with my first my first film role in the movie, Leave Us Fuck, called Coaching Movie, where we had Sir Richard Branson, Jack Canfield, Chicken Soup for the Soul. You know, I was flown to uh, flown to uh, Santa Monica and lived there. And we filmed in a glass mansion in Malibu and then Milan, Italy. You might be like, how did you get that? Well, I was asked to audition and no one told me how to audition. So I got my homeboy. This is how you do what you do, get do what you do with what you have. So my homeboy and I, you know, he's a small time videographer, but I said, make me look big in New York City. So we were all over the place, making me seem like I'm larger than life. And they loved it because it wasn't the normal audition. I didn't know what it was. But because I did something different, because I didn't know. Mm-hmm. it made me stand out amongst what other people were doing. So my first film role, I got my first. And then 
you know, because I was such a killer pitch master, you know, my clients have been on Shark Tank. Eventually they came to me. So I had a private audition, never stood in line. And when we flew, when I flew out September 11, 2016 to, to, to go to Shark Tank and we filmed on September 15th, I was still, I was still filming the movie too at the same time. Oh my gosh. So there are ways that other people think it can be done, but as a creative outsider, I'm not bound by the rules of people on the inside. So I'm going to, I'm going to think of ways that they have never thought about. So I'm not into group think. And sometimes you need that creative outsider who is not like, Oh, what are they doing? No. If you want to be the celebrity of your own brand, whether you're in corporate America, whether you're an entrepreneur speaker or an author, bring some of that creativity with you. It's a lot of times it's not about money. It's about how do you get in the room with what you already have? and show them what they're missing. I love that so much. And I, um, I always admired out of the box thinking, and that was something I really tried to bring out of all the teams that I managed. And I loved calling my teams a bunch of mavericks and hustlers. And we were the ones that were always doing it differently. We were thinking of ways to reinvent a sales process or to connect differently with our clients. So I love that that was your approach. I think that's Brilliant. And of course it is. It's it's you. Um, look, you just brought up something. I was I won silver medalist for Maverick of the Year from organization. And I was like, oh my God, like Maverick. It's such a good word. I love it. Um, you've worked with some pretty amazing companies and you've worked with a lot of leaders. Would you share some of your observations of maybe some of the greater leaders you've worked with and some of the things that they did? that made their people either be inspired or act better or perform. You know what? Some of, some of the things that I've, I've seen just in just witnessing, cause I'm not always talking. Sometimes I'm just really observing is that great leaders can see when someone's in the wrong role, mm. you know, you know, maybe their skill sets make you believe that's what it is. Maybe, you know, on paper, but in real life, they can see they probably should be somewhere else. It's kind of like when you go from sales to being the sales manager, but you really want to get in there and eat what you kill. Oh yeah. And now you're managing other people. It, you, it's a loss. It's, 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 it's at a loss. Another great thing that I've seen from great leaders is, especially like by the time I'm brought in, is they realize that what a lot of people are teaching and training on is all the same. So you need someone to come in who's going to shake the table, who is not going to accept how it's been done and is not afraid to call people out because, you know, leaders will leaders usually aren't afraid to call you out, Mm -hmm. but they can also accept when you're calling them out on BS. Number three, and this doesn't get spoken about enough. I'm not brought in because I'm black and a woman. I know that's the natural tendency for people. Oh, your book for Black History Month, your book for Women's History Month. Maybe I'm booked all year round. My skill set is not tied to a group. And that's why I say being the celebrity of your own brand, working with leaders who can see that, hey, things are changing. And we may not have our finger on the pulse of what's happening, but who is succeeding, who is not corporate, but can come in and transform, whether it's in sales, HR, all these sort of things. Let's bring them in and, and test them out. How do, how does our team feel? Do they feel uncomfortable? Are they feeling challenged? Is this fun, but still like a little sting to it? And four, you have to own every room you're in. And mm-hmm. it's not defined by Fendi Gucci 
Balenciaga or anything like like those are nice to haves. But I'm but we're not brought in for the clothes on our backs. Mm-mm. I'm not sitting at dinners with multimillionaires and billionaires because I'm trying to look like what I think they think success is. If I'm in the room, I'm in the room. So it might as well show up and show out. As women, again, as I said, there's so many times you're thinking, oh, well, I'm older. Maybe I should shrink back or maybe my skill set. No, bring them. Youth is beautiful. It's energy. But there's something about experience. Wisdom. We know how to marry old and new. Mm -hmm. And as much as technology is great, I do not see a robot doing what I do in training and teaching yet. I don't see it. I'm not saying it can't happen. You can use that chat, all kinds of stuff. But a real teacher and a trainer is going to realize it's the surface. It has not. Well, and to your point before, some of your greatest assets are energy. And no AI is going to be able to produce that energy and inspire. I mean, the whole way people get inspired is from listening to other stories and they're people that lift them up and inspire greatness in them. That is very hard for a robot to do. Um, I don't see it is. And I think really robots, have their, place. robots <laughs> have their place and I'm not, I'm not saying that at all, but for me, I still need human interaction. Maybe I, I I think people don't, but I do. I, I, I certainly do. So you are a four-time author and you have your latest book out. Would you tell us a little about the book? This one right here? That one right there. The shameless plug? <laughs> no, so my fourth book, my fourth book is called The Pitch Queen, A Woman's Journey from Poverty to Purpose and Prophecy. And yes, that's me sitting on a throne. You know, being a champion and having all these accolades sounds great to other people. But I also want people to know part of my origin story. And it's not just having bad parents or being homeless and a severe alcoholic after I lost the love of my life. There were so many things that happened in my life that prepared me for this journey, even if I didn't know it. And so, you know, some of it is dating the wrong people. How does that inform becoming the pitch queen, though? Uh, sometimes it's like looking at trauma and finally dealing with it so that I can stand up and show out and then to become the woman that I am I'm not ashamed that I came from poverty Mm -mm. I know we love to hear the stories of oh the father gave this money trust fund that's awesome that's not my story and it still has weight and in order for me to get from where I am, I had to have eyes on the prize. Regardless, I had to have angels who stepped in, who helped me when I couldn't. I had to be able to build a network when so many people thought, you know, when I was, you know, going through my homeless journey and overcoming alcohol, I've been clean and sober over six years now. Tried to take my life on my 38th birthday. I'm here at 44. Who does that, Right. And then to be able to go from eating out of garbage cans to now sitting at the finest restaurants in the world, training some of the best sales teams in the world. And there's no one looking at me like, oh, you sure she can do that? Yes, I can. So to go from poverty to finding my purpose and unlocking the gift 
of pitching in authors and speakers and entrepreneurs and sales teams and you know, being in the media and building a successful business, being a serial entrepreneur in a pandemic, economic downturn, social unrest, inflation, recession, and cooties, monkey box. <laughs> and I did it. And I'm still doing it. And I'm still that work in progress. But I pray that when people read this book, especially, that it's not a training manual in pitching. It is everything that I thought was wrong with me actually was part of me getting here. So my perceived flaws, age, race, class, sex, sexual orientation, differently able, disabled, were really secret weapons because they never mm. stopped me coming. And that led from my purpose to profits. Ugh. That is why I am the pitch queen. My first three books are all about learning the gift of pitching. And most people get it wrong because they go to the Google school of pitching. I do this to help. That's whack and it's played. And then you still need to know how to get your network to pitch you. But this book right here, I felt finally comfortable with sharing my true origin story that didn't include what people have already heard. And that, yes, I got it out the mud, hit rock bottom multiple times. And now the same people that diss me in my inbox wanting to work with me. Oh, I'm sure How they are. How I'm sure they, they are. Well, and you have entered a very safe space where we honor those stories of resilience far more than I would ever honor a trust fund story. So this is the place for you to be able to tell your whole truth. And that is part of the reason I love you so much. Um, so here's a question for you. Um, what inspires you? Love. My grandmother's love, my grandfather's love. The love of my life who's been deceased for years. Mm -hmm defying gravity, confidence. Yeah, those inspire me. Oh, goosebumps. That was beautiful. Um, so for, for those people that are thinking about their pitch and figuring out what it is they need to do, can you offer a couple of tips on how they should prepare themselves? Yes. So for those of you who may be new to pitching or really want to step your game up, we all know that the basic pitch, who you are, what you do, who you serve, call to action, maybe a little secret sauce in there. We got it. But two of the biggest things that can really take it into killer pitch mode is number one, start off with a question, a startling statistic or a quote. What you're doing is you're interrupting the pattern of boring and I start off with your name and the name of your company. Nobody cares until you give them a reason to care. And number two, stay curious on social media. Start asking questions because maybe you'll find out that you may get to a lull in your business and you're pushing something. But the reason why it's not working is because you're not using the language that your target audience really resonates with. So I don't talk about manifestation, which I'm sure a lot of people do. That's not me. I'm like practical, not theoretical. So I thought everybody would want to know how to pitch. And then when I started asking questions, people were like, I can't think of how to pitch until I realized how to speak well publicly, mm. which led to starting the Booked and Busy Speakers Bootcamp, which led me to do a uh, speakers hashtag speaking gigs galore. So many things I learned by asking questions and staying curious. And when they were right to me, incorporating those into my pitches so they knew I was speaking to them, not from big language, but from you hear me because I'm speaking to you. 
So incorporate those. Oh, great tips. I, I, I could listen to you all day, Precious. All right. Here's a question that I ask all my guests. What would you like your legacy to be? I wrote a poem called The Dash. So from the day I was born to the day I take my last breath, I hope that I leave a legacy that you can go from the bottom to the top multiple times, that you can overcome so much by being a blessing to others. My story doesn't belong to me. It belongs to who's coming behind me. Mm. And not looking like, oh, if she could do it, I could do it. No, no, no. The things you're scared to put out there, the very things the world needs to hear in this world of everything looking, glistening and shining without showing you that it's really gritty and business is difficult. I don't care what you think. Corporate America is difficult. So please don't believe business is, is going to be easy. But when you have the right people around you, when you can read the business biographies of the greats, you will often find that their greatest triumph came from the darkest situations, homelessness, living in cars, uh, eating out the garbage can, because they were so focused on making it, they wanted to do it like their last breath. So my dash has to count from the day I was born to the day I leave, that I have blessed others and given birth to their dreams, no matter what size, age, race, class, sex, differently able, disabled, whatever, sexual orientation, go big or go home. Ah! You are well on your way, my friend. How can people find you? Well, you all can find me. Again, I'm Precious Williams, killer pitchmaster, a.k.a. the pitch queen. My website is www.perfectpitchesbyprecious.com. And on my website, you can find my books. You can also figure out if you want to work one-on-one -on -one with me or hire me to speak at your next event. I Second website is www.perfectpitchgroup.com. And if you want the fourth book, you can find it on that site. And we're actually changing over from Perfect Pitches by Precious to the Perfect Pitch Group. On Facebook, I'm at Perfect Pitch P. On Twitter, I'm at Perfect Pitch P. On Instagram, I'm at Perfect Pitches P. And on LinkedIn, I am Precious L. Williams Killer Pitch Master. If you want to check out my old videos, go to YouTube and check out Perfect Pitches by Precious. And finally, if you want to improve on your pitching skills, please take my free quiz at www.pitchingforprofit.com. Free quiz. Let me help you step it up and slay all competition with a killer pitch. My name is Precious Williams, proud founder and CEO of Perfect Pitches by Precious. Thank you. Oh, goodness. This was so much fun. I wish I had so much more time with you. <laughs> um, you are a fabulous guest. Thank you so much for being on. And guys, stay tuned for more episodes of Heartbeat for Hire. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to Heartbeat for Hire. If you like what you hear, I'd love it if you'd subscribe and leave a five-star review. To keep the conversation going, you can find me on Insta or at LinkedIn at Lindsay Dowd, H4H. Or you can reach me at my website, heartbeatforhire.com. Thanks so much. Have a great day.